Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Munster Tiger joined by Forever Buff Ryan Moeller. Ryan, uh, at this point, the Buffaloes are one and nine, and uh, they they fell to zero and sixteen all time against USC on Friday night. I'm just hoping for one more entertaining Saturday. I don't know if we're going to get it. We had one against Cal. Now, what is that? A month ago now. Yeah. Uh, well, what are you hoping for at this point? <laughs> well, you're always hoping for more wins. Getting into this season, we were, we were hoping really, I think, just to be competitive in, in any aspect. You know, one and nine is, is definitely not what I wanted or expected. Um, there's not much further down you can go. <laughs> can mostly up from here, right? Colorado actually led 3-2 at the end of the first quarter uh, on Friday yeah. night. And- well, I think what well, it was uh, the first... First five minutes or seven minutes of the game, we gave him 10 points between the safety and then, uh, oh, is it like a strip sack there backed up? Yeah, well, I mean, it was 3-2 at the end of the uh, first quarter. But, yeah, you, you had uh, JT Shroud taking a safety in a situation where he basically panicked Yeah, as soon as the pass rush came. I mean, if you go back and watch that play – that, that's a play. I understand that JT Shroud hasn't started a ton of football games, but he's experienced enough now in a college system where th- those are plays you shouldn't be making as, as a junior. Basic um, quarterback knowledge, you know? Yeah. And then the miss throw to Brady Russell. I mean, that's a touchdown right there. Uh, I know. I know. I, that's, again, another example of, of you know, seeming rushed or, or frantic. Um, you know, in that type of a play, you have to let it um, develop, right? And so you have to be able to hold your 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 wits about your your nervous energy. That's for sure. And um, you got to be calm under composure, just to be able to dump it over there, just just barely enough, you know, just a little bit of touch. But yeah, he 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 seemed rushed, and and um, it did not did not end up well. It was it would have been some easy points there. Could have kept the game a little closer. And, you know, USC has eight yards of offense at the end of the first quarter. And I think you're, you're looking at it and you're going, it's great that for a quarter, Colorado's in this football game, but uh-huh. those missed opportunities and the safety, I don't think there's anybody that as diehard a CU fan as you might be. I don't even think coming out of that first quarter, you really felt this was a team that was going to win the football game, right? I mean, it was still – Okay, well, USC hasn't woken up yet. They're going to, and they did, obviously. Yeah. Uh, 523 yards of offense in the final three quarters and uh, put up 53 points from, from that point forward. If you're going to have those defensive stops early in the game, yeah, the offense is, is going to need to take advantage, and they didn't Gotta do that. Got to follow, so. right. Sean Niehoff has been uh, doing game stories for us on buffstampede.com uh-huh. this year, and I felt – he accurately painted the picture of what it's been like watching CU in recent weeks. He wrote, 10 games into a season to forget, and one thing is certain. Colorado is a team that simply does not quit. It doesn't quit missing opportunities. It doesn't quit inflicting wounds on itself. It doesn't quit displaying horrendous quarterback play. It doesn't quit handing out first downs and touchdowns like Oprah. It simply doesn't quit playing very hard, very bad football. The Buffs are halfway through the toughest four-game stretch of a season that has chewed like a $5 steak. Ryan, 
the point in there that that's key is they are playing hard. It's not yeah. an effort issue, at least what my eyeballs are telling me. This is a team that's out there competing. But these other issues, a horrendous quarterback play, missed opportunities, self-inflicting wounds, it, it just it it really has been a really hard product to watch, even though you know these kids are out there trying their best. Certainly. Well, you know, one thing's for sure. Um the, the don't quit statement definitely is applicable to many different facets of CU's football story um, right now. Um, <clears throat> that being, you know, a big one is, is that effort I have seen with the coaching change, um, a change in effort on, uh, you know, both sides of the ball, specifically the defense. You know, that's something that we both recognized early on in the season that was was lacking. And, you know, they have definitely shown to to pick it up, put a little pep in their step, maybe too little, too late, you know, with being one and nine. Now there's, there's only hope for, for seeing improvement. You know, I do see, I do see spurts of competitive energy. Um, I think right now with the youth of the team and the lack of experience right now, um, that uh, that's just uh, a level that they can't seem to carry. um, And that can come with more experience. Now, whoever inherits this team, is going to get a young one, uh, but a young one with certainly plenty of experience having played. Um, so that could be a deadly tool too. Now you just kind of be curious about many things moving forward, but then yes, you're touching on like, like the quarterback play, and, you know, those poor boys, they're all pretty young. Um, and those that they've looked to be leaders haven't maybe jumped in or, or, or been there for it. Yeah. Missed opportunities. You know, I, I don't think I remember Daniel Arias, playing much was he out there at all was he on his, the ir the his oregon state's drops have pretty much mitigated Benched, him right. okay uh, to the bench now he he did get into the usc game for a handful of reps i don't believe he was targeted um yeah. but yeah i i you just can't you, you can't do that obviously jordan tyson's out for the season and so yeah. yeah, it's it's been it's been rough from a personnel standpoint. Uh, just you know, rough. Obviously, in November here, uh, like Sean wrote, this is uh, you know they're now halfway through this just brutal part of the schedule. We knew going into the season that uh-huh. if Colorado was going to achieve their goals, that they were going to have to take care of business in September and October, right. and that's that's not going out to Arizona and laying an egg. That's you know, beating Arizona yeah. State when they come into Boulder. That's not going down to Air Force and, and looking like trash, you know, in that in that game. That's was, the best team in Colorado right now, I think. It is, but, you know, you have better athletes than they do. And I understand the weather was bad uh, to get blown out in that game. So I have less of an issue with them losing to USC and Oregon, obviously, than, than uh-huh. stuff that happened early in the season. But uh, right. you're just – as a Colorado fan, you know you're going to be – leading up to an eight-month break where you're not going to see this football team, it'd be great to have one more Cal-esque performance. And you're not going to play a team that's going to be easy to beat like Cal was. Uh, but still, like Mike Sanford said, we're playing for memories at this point. And, and unfortunately, the memories that you want to remember are, are pretty few and far between. Alex Fontenot was the bright spot on Friday night, obviously over 100 yards. And a couple of those runs were were, pr- were really impressive. His touchdown run, 
he got met at the one and a half yard line and he just it that was sheer effort getting him in yep, he kept those something. legs moving you know kept yeah. him training and uh that's just it though like uh you, you can't you can't coach effort and you got to stay on the boys to continue to put the effort out now if they're not why aren't they they don't believe in what you're doing or they can't do it but um, you know, guys like Alex Fontenot and um, some other guys on defense, you see a new fire just to create those memories, as you say, Coach Sanford said. Um, and, you know, it's pride now. It's gut check. It's, your Super Bowl is every weekend now, and, and it's not going to get you, you know, further after the regular season. But, you know, are you just going to roll over and hope the time flies or sit there and fight and you see some fight left with them? Um, yeah. and you know, you, you hope that moving forward, some of these guys can stick it out and stick through this tough stuff because it hasn't been easy, right? It's been bad football to watch. And, um, you know, every, every Saturday when you turn on the tube, it's, you know, you're hoping for a fight, but you definitely, you know, you're going to see some blood out there. So, yeah. JT Shroud. I, I just don't think, I, I think he's trying. I don't think any of these miscues are, are, you know, it's not necessarily lack of attention either. It's just, I, I don't think he's a Pac-12 caliber starting quarterback. There's just too much inconsistency with him and his arm. And uh, so I said, I hope for, you know, them to put it together one more Saturday to give us, yeah. you know, just that that feeling like we had with the Cal game where for one day you forget where this program is right now. But with JT Shroud behind center, I just don't, I don't know if that's possible here the, the next well, couple of weeks. I think maybe not, maybe not in this season, but again, you know, the, the positive <laughs> uh, player or teammate in me that has, has been through tough situations like this, you know, it's definitely up to the individual moving forward. Um, Cause the, you know, no conflict, no story is something that McIntyre used to always say to us. And that just kind of resonates very well. Right. I mean, if it's easy, you're just, it, what, <laughs> what matters? Nothing. I'm um, having to go out there and prove something and be competitive makes better players and better teams. Um, and since we've seen sparks of that, I hope these guys who have had the the experience and the time playing that are so young and can come back can can step up in leadership roles to demand more and take it to the next step. So that guys like uh, JT Shroud or Owen McCown or Hankerson or Smith, you know, they can take their game back up. Um, and improve and, and step up for that. Now, that's not a lot of time to do that left in this season. Um, but that eight week, or I'm sorry, eight month period you spoke to, um, that's where that work gets put in. And that's where the teams really come together and they decide if they want to stick together or if they're going to go get a participation trophy somewhere else and go cry about it. So it's perplexing what's happened at the quarterback position for the Buffaloes over a long period of time. They've had some really good quarterbacks in the program, a Cephal Lufau, a Steve Montez obviously had uh, really good physical gifts. A Tyler Hansen was a a gamer at the college level, had had some Mm -hmm. solid performances, but the Buffs haven't had a quarterback drafted since Coy Detmer in 1997. When I get a little time after the season, I'm going to go back and research and see is there another power five program that's anywhere close to that drought in terms of having a quarterback drafted that I can't, maybe there's one out there. I, I can't imagine there's many that haven't had a quarterback drafted in the last, what is that? 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if I think you think about the PAC 12 alone, you got 
you got someone at every squad, every school. <laughs> yeah. Except for Colorado at this point. Yeah. No, it's, um, there are some long, uh, stood records as well as outstanding droughts that many of us alumni and, um, buff fans alike would like to see shaken up a little bit. You know. And that 0-16 against USC has got to be on the list. Now, they'll get one more chance, one more crack at the Trojans. USC is going to be coming to Boulder next year. Yeah. Uh, you'll have Owen McCown or maybe a transfer quarterback in there. You'll have some of these guys that are yeah. freshman that- offense, a little bit more seasoned. You'll have a new head coach, new schemes. And so we'll see. They, they got that one more opportunity um, coming up next it. year. I think a perfect storm for uh... – transfer hope would be with a new head coach bringing maybe a grad or someone else in who knows his scheme and can handle it. But that's the thing is, so you're, are we going to change up the head coach and make these young guys um, learn new schemes? Cause whoever comes in can bring in whoever they want as well and keep whoever they want or discard whoever they want. Fine. More transfers. That's uh, the transfer portal is something CU needs to leverage. Um, to get some quick talent, experienced talent in there. Um, but then lastly, you know, is CU in a position to where we can handle um, not paying big money for a, a, a coach that can bring in that moxie or that locker room energy or that respect or the recruits that would uh, satisfy the hunger for um, the, the drought or the, the famine that we've had at CU. Um it's, it seems, you know, and, and my buddy was saying this and he feels very strongly that uh, if Colorado doesn't do that, then we're just submitting to go into the Mountain West. We're just going to roll over and do that. I, I hope not. Yeah. The new head coach, if I was advising him, I would say you, you can't go into next season just assuming that Owen McCown is going to make big strides because he's a sophomore and go into next year with the, this quarterback roster. Got to develop at some point. Well, yeah, at this quarterback position, though, right now, Drew Carter and Maddox Cop don't have it from from everything that I've heard to, to be Pac-12 quarterbacks. Brennan Lewis is already Why are the they there? <laughs> well, th- that, that goes back to the yeah. ability to identify – evaluate, and bring in the proper quarterbacks in this program. Right. I mean, totally. you go back – Sam Neuer in 2016, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't say that's ne- necessarily a miss because in 2020 he played pretty pretty good football. Uh, yeah. There was a time though in Sam Neuer's career where he was moved to safety. Yeah, yeah. So uh, hey, but that was a guy that was willing to do whatever it took to get on the field. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to say that's a miss, but 2017 Tyler Lytle, that's a miss. 2018 Blake Stenstrom, that's a miss. I know he transferred to the Ivy League and has done some nice things. This year, but Ivy League football compared to the Pac-12, uh, that, that's no comparison. He, that's a miss. They didn't have a quarterback signing in 2019. They brought in Brennan Lewis in 2020. That was a miss. I mean, he started 13 games here, and it was not good enough at, at this level. Drew Carter, I mentioned, probably not going to play uh, you know significant role here at Colorado going forward. You brought JT Shroud in as a transfer in 2021. That's not working out. Owen McCown. I, I think it's just certainly from what we've seen in his four games of action, you'd say that they hit on that and he's going to be a really important piece moving forward. 
Uh, but they brought Maddox Cop in as a transfer in 2022, and, and that doesn't look like that's going to work out. So, I mean, that's yeah. that's a lot of guys since 2016 that uh, are either serviceable backups or, or just not good enough to play at this level. And so you bring in a quality, quality transfer quarterback, and you have him compete with Owen McCown, and you bring in Ryan Stott from the high school ranks, and then you feel better about that position going forward. But they can't bank on bringing back everybody and just hoping certain guys to develop, at least for, from what I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a lot of work to be put in, you know, to make major, major headway. That's for sure. Um, that's something that recruiting wise has, has been hard for Colorado for a very long time. Um, and even keeping guys within state, you know, but, but, you know, like Christian McCaffrey, what incentive did he have to stay? and play at Colorado didn't have kind of a lot of things going that would complement his game or him to be able to complement other games. And um, so it starts with what you got and, you know, developing what you got to show strength and and promise and and, and pride. And, and then maybe you can get some of those other recruits in um, that uh, we're losing those battles on. And then other guys like, you know, big name guys, you need to get your name in there. And even if you don't think you're going to get them, I mean, why would you not recruit someone who's who's highly rated or, you know, could really make a make a difference? I just don't understand how we keep missing this same boat when we have the same time for this, the same ticket to get on the same boat every time. That's it up. Don't get yeah, it. we'll see what the NIL collective that, that Bus for Life has put together will do as far as that goes. There was a story out of Oregon. A pay to stay type of thing at all or? Pay to stay is important, but you know if you're going to go into the market for a quality quarterback transfer, there's going to be other programs battling for for that kid. And um, we we saw uh, a story come out of Oregon where uh, JT Daniels went to Oregon State on an official visit, and his parents were look, this is what it's going to take to get our son here. And it was a four-bedroom apartment, and it was all kinds of stuff that they needed, basically a six-figure deal. And Oregon State didn't have that, so he ended up at West Virginia where they, they offered that. Now, I don't know if Colorado's going to be quite in the market for that type of thing, you know, the six figures and all the perks and this and that. But at least now they're trying to get in the game as far as the collective goes, which they, they weren't a- last offseason when, when you know, a lot of these quarterbacks were in the portal. Right. It's a start, you know. Um, that's how it is though. You got to be competitive. It's an arms race. Just like the, before we get paid, it was a arms race for facilities and, and, and top tier treatment and, and, and all that stuff. So, um, I guess better late than never, but got a lot of ground to take make up for, for being a program so late to something like this and who has, uh, been consistently underperforming, um, for a period of time, you know? Yeah. We're getting closer and closer to that head coaching announcement, it does sound like that should happen shortly after their season finale against Utah. So everything that I'm hearing signals that we'll have that announcement before December 1st. And uh, I put together a list, Ryan, of the top 10 players that I feel the -hmm. next head coach at CU is going to have to recruit. Now, these are guys that are already on the roster. Feel free to share your thoughts on any of these guys. Number one has got to be Ole yeah, I think we saw enough in those four games to not necessarily say he has to be given the starting gig in 2023. He's still developing yeah. physically. 
It's not like he was playing at an all-conference level right off the bat. Mm-hmm. But I think signs would tell you that he's going to be a really good quarterback going forward. And that needs to be a priority, number one. And obviously, that's extending to Josh McCown, his father, who uh, knows how this all works. He's an 18-year NFL veteran. The, the BS meter is going to go off for the McCown family if this net, next head coach is not implementing a system and a style. and you know, the McCowns don't feel comfortable with that situation going forward, but yeah. that, that's probably the first guy you pull in the office, right? I would assume so. You know, it, it, it starts with, with uh, the young uh, up and comers as well as established positions that you guys um, could still have up in the air. Quarterback is one of them. Um, and he showed great attitude and, and, and promise, you know, uh, and, and certainly fight when he was playing. So it only makes sense to bring a guy in like that. Um, as quickly and as often as you can um, to have on board, to be able to take those next steps because it's going to be a long road, big mountain to climb. Jordan Tyson, obviously, has got to be the first or the second guy in the office as well. Uh, Now, he's coming back from an injury, and we haven't heard the specifics in terms of a timeline. I would imagine he's going to be out for spring ball, but they do sound hopeful that he'll be back on the field next season. And so – uh, those three games before he got hurt were trending to the point where, I mean, this is a guy that if he did, does decide to hit into the portal, he's going to have a lot of power five schools coming after him. So mm-hmm. that's another guy you need to recruit. Ben Wells has been starting at center as a true freshman and he's had a few issues that's, that's here. Another and group too, that, that um, could have a lot of pull and, you know, it all starts kind of with them up front and they're, they're rather young there as well too. So um, I think, you know, you don't have to, as far as I'm concerned, everyone wears a C on their chest, right? When they play for Colorado. So you don't have to be a captain to be a leader. And I think someone like that getting along with Owen McCown as well. And Jordan Tyson, the three of them to start through this conversation um, could be a great turning point or, you know, maybe help initiate some catalysts of change. Trevor Woods at safety is a guy that, plays a very physical brand of football. He's not a finished product. I don't think he's quite to that all-conference level, but he was fourth in the conference in tackles before he went down and and missed his pass game due to injury. He is a guy that plays so relentless that there's probably going to be an occasion every year where he gets ejected for targeting because that's just the way he plays the game. Um, That's how we remember him, man. (laughs) Yeah, but he's a he's a key guy on that defensive side of the ball that that's got multiple years of eligibility. Nico Reed, a cornerback, would be high, pretty high on the list in terms right. of a guy that that you want to keep. That interception uh, where he basically took the ball from Brendan Rice on on Friday night was a pretty incredible play. He's been electric at times as a return guy. Hasn't been on that level of where we saw Christian Gonzalez in his sophomore year, but he's a pretty darn good cornerback. You mentioned earlier, Anthony Hankerson, a running back. Uh-huh. That's another guy that, that the next head coach needs to recruit. Yeah. I'm not sure he's necessarily ever going to be that home run threat type running back, but he runs really he's hard. They're scrappy. Yep. He's a scrappy dude. Halen Moore. I think Dion Smith could be interchangeable there too. Um, seeing how he could do something, but maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah, he's got one more year. Deion Smith does. Uh, I also had Keelan Moore, a young cornerback. You know, a lot of the the issues in terms of pass coverage this season haven't necessarily been the cornerbacks. It's been the middle of the field where, where other teams have been 
traditionally picking Colorado apart. So Nico Reed and Kalen Moore keeping that young core together at cornerback would be important. Now, this is another important one, Ryan. I, I mentioned Van Wells, the freshman starting at, at center right now, but Jared Christian Lichtenhan has quietly developed into a pretty decent left tackle for the Buffs. And this is a, a mountain of a man, a guy that still has quite a bit of growth. Yeah, I think he is on a trend to be an, a future NFL draft pick. Um, and so, You know, so, size and, and speed and, and acuity um, I've seen has been there already um, or spurts to show promise for that. Um, you know, just unrealized potential. What does he want and how bad does he want it? I think great strides are, are coming for him if he just keeps grinding for it and uh, developing as a player. I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't make it, you know, to that next step. And I also had down defensive back Simeon Harris, who's had a bigger role on the team in recent weeks, and then linebacker Owen Carey, who we heard rave reviews about during his first camp with the Buffaloes this year. He's been more relegated to a special teams role because Marvin Ham, who was banged up early in camp when Carey was getting a lot of first and second team reps, has come out and played pretty decent football for the Buffs at linebacker. But I think going forward, Owen Carey is another guy that this next head coach is going to have to try to recruit in Boulder. Mike Sanford said it uh, a week or two weeks ago when I asked him about this NIL collective and said, if if this program has to hit reset on the roster again, like it did last off season, losing six starters to the portal, uh, that's not going to be good for anybody. And you do have limitations right as it stands right now in terms of bringing in transfers from an academic standpoint, it's hard to bring in second and third year guys because of the the credit requ- requirements and, and a lack of, you know, a general studies degree at CU. So you have got to recruit the majority of these 10 guys that I mentioned uh, that are yeah. in my eyes, the kind of the core young core of this football team going forward. If you lose half this list or more than half a list, again, you're, you're in quicksand. You're in this reoccurring cycle of having to play guys before they're ready. Well, so that, uh, uh, that's something that, um, is every coach worried every coach program alumni everyone worries about when something like this is happening um something that was with the new nil stuff today uh that can change that is you know the the ad and um the nil board and even to stefano and how how we treat things up at cu you know if they uh if they want to step in now would be the time to do something to be able to incentivize these boys to play instead of you know, leaving and having them join the other seven um, offensive starters at USC who are already transfers, you know, it's just going to continue to go that way. And um, I think they, they stepped in that, that we could see some change. It does make me wonder, Ryan, if the portal existed back in your era at CU, does the 2016 run happen? Are, are guys like Cheeto and Tedrick, and uh-huh. Kenneth Olobode, Jimmy Gilbert, and those defensive linemen that were solid that that year. Right. And, you know, are all those guys sticking around? Bryce Bobo, Shea Fields, Devin Ross. Did you guys have the core sticking around? Were you were you guys tight enough? Obviously, you, you developed a strong bond, and that showed itself in 2016. But would those guys have stuck around long enough to, to see it come to fruition? Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's a what if. Um, a pretty big one, I think. You know, you, you likely you'd see some attrition, but guys who maybe are established, I um, mean, and, and are 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 feeling part of of the group and 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 the family and everything, 
I don't, I, I'd like to think that they wouldn't leave, but I, I'd have to say maybe some people would just out of basic attrition, you know? Um, and, uh, it's when you're in college and you get, you get money, money offerings, um, where up to like the entire point of our college being, and, and what we went after was, um, not allowed and we would lose time for it, like accepting a pencil or a notebook or, you know, like I said in other podcasts, we couldn't have cream cheese for our bagel. So um, if that had happened mid, let's say uh, mid run of that like core group of guys coming up through things, I think things might have changed for the worse. Potentially, could have not. You know, they uh, the AD, the NIL board, plenty of people. I think plenty of guys had enough wits about them that they could have gone out there and gotten plenty of their own money to stick around and ride the thing out as well. Um, different times though, that's for sure. You've got mail. Let's jump into the Buff Stampede mailbag. We've got a handful of questions here. Let's start with GK Buffs. He asked, if you were hired as the new head coach, which coaches, and he's referring to the assistant coaches here, which coaches, if any, would you retain and why? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think defensively, because that's where my mind goes, pretty quickly. Um, I think Brett Maxey and, and, and Mark Smith are some guys that, that I would look to keep. I think that, um, you know, that linebacker position is so hard and, and integral a part of the defense that um, I wouldn't want big change there. But I, I, whatever they've done there on the defensive side with switching things up um, and being aggressive, um, I, I had, I would like to keep and, and see that. And even into the defensive line there with, uh, what's his name? Gerald Chapman. Yeah. Gerald Chapman. Gerald Chapman would be good to keep there. You just, I see there, there, there was a different, a different groove about him. So I'd like to see what more we could get out of that. Certainly. Um, offensively, you know, that's, I would say, leave that up to the head coach. <laughs> As I am the head coach, then I guess we'd have to figure that out on a different day. Um, I think the receivers might, have a, a, a tough watch but um the two guys that i would retain if i was named the head coach uh one on each side of the ball offensive line coach kyle devan has done a good job with that group uh, they were among the worst offensive line units if not the worst power five offensive line last year and you've seen steady improvement out of that group and such a key with being an offensive line coach because as we hear offensive line coaches talk about the fact that it's just not fun playing as an offensive lineman in college, because usually when you're noticed, it's when you screw up. Thankless. Exactly. That's the perfect way to put it. So you better love your offensive line coach and be willing to go through those tough days in that criticism when things don't go well, because even the best offensive lines are going to have moments where, you know, fans are cursing their name. Uh, but he's a guy that these guys have really rallied behind and played good football. And you've seen a guy like Jake Wiley that was among the worst offensive linemen in the country last year develop into a pretty solid Pac-12 offensive lineman. Um, you know, and so I think Casey Roddick's taken his game to another level. We've seen the development out of Jared Christian Lich in the hand. We, we've seen Van Wells at least get coached up enough to play starting center as a true freshman, which is so rare and, and actually play decent at times. So yeah, uh, Tommy Brown's played pretty well. So that, that's who I would, uh, the first name 
when, when I saw this question that, that I thought of, and then defensively Rod Chance at cornerbacks coach, I, I feel like he's done a pretty good job with that group, has a pretty impressive resume. Uh, and again, as a guy that, that guys in this locker room rally around now, right. When you name a new head coach, they're going to have a certain, you know, tree of coaches that they have connections with or have the guys that have coached under them before now. Oh. So it's impossible to predict exactly what that's going to look like and who the potential candidates are. Uh, the next head coach could have a great offensive line coach in mind. And if that's the guy that he's going to have the best chemistry with, because you, you need that cohesion on the coaching staff and maybe Kyle Devan's not back, but just based on what we've seen these, this season, those are the two guys that uh, I would say would be my top candidates to retain. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with that at all. I think uh, it'd be interesting to see. And, you know, there's just, like you said, there, that, co- that cohesion with whomever comes in, um, they have a short list too of coaches and, and other guys that, that fit within him, his scheme, how he coaches and how he wants to do things. And he wouldn't really worry about much about power struggle or, or anything or disagreements of, new company ellie buff asked if adam and ryan were named athletic director tomorrow what would you do i would figure out what the boys need (laughs) and selfishly just talking about football but i think all the i think you go and talk to all the sports teams and obviously we're focusing between the, the football squad here but i think you talk to them realistically what do you guys like what do you need what do you not get it um, what what can we do within reason, obviously, to 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 continue to build and keep you guys here and and not lose you away? What what do you need? And and that's something that they couldn't ask us when we were there, right? Um, but I think it go a long way, um, talking to the team and, and and asking those boys personally. And what do you need? What do you need out of this? What are you looking for? All right, well let's be realistic now and and then go from there. I think that can go a long way for them. Um, I think they that if we were AD, we had already made a good step and good decision with uh, the midseason interim head coach um, and the re- the release of Durrell. I'm sorry to see you go, but you know we weren't, we weren't getting the job done. So hopefully, we could build upon more. Is is kind of where I would be taking that. Well, my first thing, if I was named the athletic director, I wouldn't hide from this transfer issue that that Colorado has and. Certainly, the athletic director can't change academic policy at the University of Colorado. Mm-hmm. But they also don't need to be telling boosters and media folks that it's not a big deal because it is a big deal. When you look at the numbers of guys that they evaluated in the transfer portal in the last year, year and a half, the vast majority of those guys would not have the academics or would have to do extra academic work to be able to get into Colorado. And these are kids that can go to higher ranked institutions academically, like a Michigan that's got a general studies and some of these other programs that laud themselves to be this fantastic academic experience, but yet they can get athletes into their school that, that Colorado can't. And so that's uh, where it'd be great to harness. admitting that this is a major issue for Colorado and not telling folks that, you know, the coach just needs to go and find out, find guys that can get in because that's a, a smaller pool. And you're still competing with other schools for those kids. And so that would be number one. You know, Rick George has done a fantastic job in terms of the wellness day-to-day of the student athletes. Obviously, what he did with the Champion Center was a minor miracle, getting that thing built as quickly as he did, raising all the funds that he did, 
Um, but over time, he's gotten more and more defensive about things. And you've got a fan base that is supporting a football program. Still, they're still showing up to Folsom Field. They're getting better support than they deserve. And so yeah, st- stop getting I defensive. That Oregon game and I was surprised at the turnout. Yeah, stop getting defensive when people are pointing out issues within the program. I get, again, you can't wave a magic wand and fix this academic thing, but mm-hmm. hiding the fact that it is an issue or, or not willing to, being willing to confront that publicly has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I know there's a lot of people that talk about how they're not going to renew their season tickets because uh, just the way that comments made by Phil DeStefano and Rick George look when they're at press conferences talking about some of these issues. And I know that's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, Uh, but, but I'm also willing to admit Ryan, I mean, the athletic director has to wear so many different hats. You're not going to be everybody's favorite person all the time. It's a really, really tough gig. And yeah, yeah. We can sit here and say that we would do this, this, and this and be better at, better at the job than Rick George. I'm not saying that. But from my standpoint, from the media standpoint, there's a couple of things I see him do that make me cringe. Like admit to some of these issues and don't call the media eat, the enemy for bringing it up. Eat some, eat some crow and 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 move on and, and get better. Ownership is is kind of what I'm hearing from you, and and I don't I don't blame you too. Um, I think you know we touched on the two two most important things is is replenish what you lost or update what you can with the transfer portal. And and retain what what good meat. I don't want to call the guys meat, but it's like you know a, a, a figure of speech. You know, um, retain the good, right? And that's big places where they should start and, and where they have to hit. And um, I, it's interesting hearing your your um, your side of the things, being on the the media side too, and how uh, these questions have rubbed um, you know alumni, supporters, um, donors even journalists. So yeah, a lot of change needs to come. That's for sure. CL 34 asked what offensive and defensive systems and philosophy would you run Ryan? If you were tasked with rebuilding the program. Oh, wow. Offensive. Oh, that's going to take a little longer. Uh, defensively. I think I would jump into the, the old, uh, the Jim Levitt three, four. Um, you know, it's, it's, a. Uh, it's a it's a defense where you it, it's simple and you you can play fast, but um, with the right players um, and really, I mean, it, almost anyone can play in that defense, in my opinion. Guys who can run in space, athletes, you know, uh, guy Colorado up until the 16th season, you know, sizable guys, but um, more speed reliant in a lot of ways, and that's a defense um, where if you know we're not playing in the Midwest, right? So we're not going to have all that chunk. So that's a defense where you have speed out there, have them spread around and guys who can run and gun uh, and go, go and hit as well. You know, one thing that we learned with that defense is it, it'll be whatever you make of it. So if you're, you're going to live by the blitz, you're going to die by the blitz. I would rather be aggressive and come after you and you have an idea of what's coming, but you still got to stop it, you know, and we're going to, you're going to tweak, tweak things and, and have things come out, um, and different stunts or, or versions. And that's a defense that is, uh, it's hard to stop. Simple, not coming yeah. Love it. Um, offensively, you know, I, uh, I would, I would utilize a, a bit of, a, you know, a, a power run. You, it's kind of hard to say 
um, whole offense because really you have different tool bags, meaning you have, you'll have different personnel come in so you can change and be more power running or you can go and spread it out. Um, but one thing I would say uh, that I would do and would like to do is is uh, utilize tight ends and um, and and the gimme yards that you can get from defenses. I, I, instead of just trying to go for the home run shot all the time and getting stopped up there and, and, and at the line with uh, with running the ball or rushing the football, you know, get creative with the tight ends or or like a, a power counter um, like that TCU does the quarterback uh, power counter that they do. Um, you know, being creative, but that also means you just got to be able to take and work with what you got, like fit uh, a scheme to the kid, not the kid to the scheme, because you can't make someone faster <laughs> just because you want them to be. You know? My thing with the offense going forward is I just don't want to hear the word multiple. We heard that during Dan Hawkins' tenure, and we've seen that at CU this year. In theory, it's it's great because you're really difficult to game plan for when you can do a lot of different things offensively. Mm-hmm. But when you're dealing with college football players, they only have so much time with the coaches. Yeah, And there's new rules now yeah. where the coaches are around a little bit more in the summer, and that helps. But Generally, trying to do too much offensively gets to the point where even we saw early this season, they were doing a lot more motion and they were doing a lot of things offensively that in theory would be fantastic, great, makes a lot of sense. But these kids didn't have enough time to to feel comfortable running it that they're playing slow as a result and they're not executing it. Right. So So that's it. Like you can have multiple, but uh, you, you do have to have the things, as you're saying as well, that you are really good at, too. That are, yeah. that are hard to stop. And I have yet to see very much of that, you know? Yeah. Have an identity basically. And, and you know, exactly. allow these kids identity. to well said. know this scheme, like the back of their hand, rather than we're going to throw all these different wrinkles. And now I'm going to go out on Saturday and 10 of 10 of those 11 guys, Ryan might have it down like the back of their hand. But when one guy doesn't, that's the issue. And we've mm-hmm. seen it a lot of times. Next player there's, been up, a, man. there's been a lot of plays out there to be made by this Colorado offense this year, but it's that one guy, it's the JT Shroud misfiring on the pass, or it's the guy running the wrong route, or it's, you know what well, I mean? It's always that one guy. Always and so that's why I don't like the word multiple because we've now seen it Again, under multiple head coaches. It is. <laughs> it is. But, you know, and Darren Chevrini was the play caller. We heard that it was too rudimentary that other defenses were calling out Colorado's plays before they snapped the football. So there's got to be somewhere in the middle. There's got to be a fine line between, okay, we're reinventing the wheel. We're making it really difficult for our kids to grasp everything. But it's a really good system. They just haven't got it down to yeah. the other side of it where you've got the opposing players calling out your plays. There's got to be that fine line in the middle where you can find the sweet spot in – I'm not paid enough money to to figure that out, <laughs> but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the next coaches that come into Boulder are um, right there with you. But yeah, defensively, I think three four because especially when you're playing the Pac-12, right? I mean, the, you the more versatility you can have. Spread the field. That's all they do, right? Blue Sky Buff asked, "I'd like to know how Ryan and his friends slash teammates feel about how, as alumni and members of our one great team in a long time." How do they feel about CU today? 
Do they feel welcome there? Still part of the program? Are they invested in how CU football does week to week? Do they wish they were more involved? So we are uh, are not invested week to week. Involvement is always great, but like you you mentioned just a little bit earlier, you're not, you're not paid you're not paid enough to <laughs> to try and figure it out. Um, I think it's 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 best to, to take a step back. But uh, as far as involvement and talking with with the guys and and um, getting to know some of them and, and being leaders and, and role models in a way, yeah, there's there are guys who are doing that, myself included. It's uh, it, it's a, it changes from a, a person-to-person basis on how involved they want to be. I see plenty of alumni um, and former teammates around the you know the campus on game days that I'm there, and you know we catch up. Remember this game this season, or you you seem sometimes like you just jump right back into conversations, um, and it's different being an alumni and seeing some of the same struggles with CU as we also experienced in our time there so there's a little nostalgia or oh, i remember this or this sucked <laughs> um but it, it doesn't make you feel good watching what's going on um it can be hard to stomach at times and i guess if we could do more i guess there's always more to do but uh again we're not getting paid to, to make a change up there could you if you wanted to go uh hang out at a practice at some point do, do you know if that's allowed for former players to do that um, I would have to find out, but I'm, I'm pretty close with Lance Carl and I would assume, um, he's extended invitations to me before I wanted to come up. They would give me in. I could just stand there with them, talk it up, uh, go through memories, watch practice, you know, be at an arm, a couple arms, arms length distance away. But, uh, yeah, I, I, for the most part, that should be, should be open to it. But if you finish in good standing, um, I, I think if you had an escort out there, like with uh, Lance Carl or, or McGinnis or someone, then like those guys will they'd get you where you needed to go. Okay. Is there anything that CU could do in order to improve that relationship with guys? I know Buffs for Life kind of gets a bad rap sometimes just because they, people feel like they had too much involvement in John Embry's hiring. And then uh, obviously the Carl yeah. Zarell situation didn't work out so well but you know that really is a fantastic organization Uh at the heart of it and what they've done for so many former buffs in terms of helping out financially and you know providing services services and those opportunities for folks to get together they they do a 5k a a golf tournament a barbecue every year it 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 really is a a great organization from that standpoint Mm -hmm. Um, does every former buff feel like they've got that in with Buffs for Life in the CU program? I don't think so. I think it obviously can differ between some guys. Um, I know me, I was never scared to go out and talk to people or make that connection and, um, you know, reach out for help. You know, we, we were out there and we gave so much of our time. <coughs> Buffs for Life was preached to us time time in and time out um, as a resource for us. So at, it, on the individual level, um, I guess it's up to you and, and how bad you want to reach out for, for any help or, or um, what it is, whatever it is. But, you know, you, you put in your time to earn your spot. So um, to have those the, those uh, necessities or resources for at your disposal. So it depends on the individual. Blue Sky Buff also asked, I'd like to know what Ryan and that defense thought of Jim Levitt and if there was any clash with Mike McIntyre. 
Oh, geez. Well, I think uh, I can't speak to their relationship, but historically, I, I think, you know, with him leaving, you understood that him being Jim Levitt, that they're um, maybe they didn't see eye to eye um, and that their time together had come to an end. Um, you know, and it, there's so much passion out there with those two guys as well. And, and you know, with all of us on the team out there on the turf at the same time and um, there's, there's, there's a lot of heat going around and, and not like it's directed maliciously, but there's a lot at stake for, for these guys and, and us as players. Um, and, uh, you know, I I'll say that, uh, as far as the defense and what we thought of Jim Levitt and that staff was, we just had, we had uh, the utmost respect for all of them, um, because we knew they were there to fight with us and grind with us. I told the story once that, uh, they would or on Sundays when we would come in and do our like corrections and on film and everything. And then we'd go out and we would do walkthroughs, walkthrough corrections. Well, at the end of that day, um, we would have to run punishment and we'd have a gasser that's down and back twice across the, the, the field uh, as punishment for every touchdown that was scored. And our defensive coaches would go out there and they would run them with us. They would, in, they would inflict the punishment and then they would endure it along with us. And that went a long way, you know, the show that they were ready to practice what they preach and that they knew that we well, you know what they were asking was a lot and it, it is tough, but knowing that they were there to have your back, I think ultimately really helped strengthen the bond um, between us and them. And um, the appreciation was always there. So, yeah, I've got a couple of funny stories about uh, the Levitt McIntyre relationship. But yeah, I don't think, I don't think I can share it on the podcast. Maybe, Maybe in another ten years, if I get this question, yeah. I feel like a yeah, certain right. number. I'm out of a time. reunion show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Mike McIntyre is a head coach, so that's his program. But uh, yeah, let's just say Jim Levitt uh, wanted to take complete ownership of that defense, and uh, at times there were some yeah, I, have, I was his baby. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. We got one more question. GK Buffs asked. When you have a beer, what style do you prefer to drink? IPA, sour stout, etc. What about you? Where are you at on this one? Well, nowadays it's the Heineken 0.0. I had to kick alcohol to the curb a few years ago. Uh, my body was basically said, uh, you've hit your quota of alcohol for your life. Yeah. And so uh, I, uh, I'm actually drinking a Hoplark, which uh, is like a hoppy version. It's kind of like a beer, but it's no alcohol, zero calories. Uh, so that kind of fills in. I do miss it from time to time, uh, yeah. but I used to I used to drink IPAs when it was like summer, or going to a game or golfing. Yep, uh, yep. good way to get it in. Stout after like a meal, you're just hanging yeah. out on a patio. Um, but I was pretty much loggers other times. I think uh, I, I, my uh, my taste in beer is much like my eclectic taste in music. It just depends on the mood I'm in and where I'm at, um, and what sounds good. Colorado's got plenty of beautiful craft brews um i usually get around like a half or a, you know like a lager um but i'm not opposed to an ipa i, I kind of say sour is probably at the bottom of the list <laughs> yeah i'll drink it but uh, yeah i do love that so many of the uh breweries now they they give you those testers and you can kind of do the flight yeah that's a yeah. that's a pretty fun way to, to hang out and drink beer uh, yeah i like that too yeah. i haven't been to one in a while Avery, uh, Avery Stampede is pretty good. It is really good. Yeah. Well, Ryan, 
thanks for coming on the podcast again. Thank when you. I for invited, me. When I invited you to come on and, and contribute this year, I, I wasn't thinking Colorado would be one and nine. It would be this depressing exercise, <laughs> but we did do a podcast after the Calvin. So there was at we least did. that. Well, you know, you gotta, you gotta love the dog days because then you'll appreciate it. You, you, you gotta appreciate those too. And uh, dog days are definitely where we're at, but um, you know, doesn't mean it's permanent. Yeah. Going out to Washington, you know, that's a Washington team that on paper should just blow Colorado out. It's another, I think they're 31 point favorite, but. Well, you saw what just happened over it. And so I can't imagine it's going to be. Well, that's my, my, my thought though, is, I mean, that, that program is running high right now. Yeah. And I'm by no means suggesting or predicting that Colorado is going to go out there and pull off an upset, but Uh that's where if you put things together, you can kind of sneak up on a team, right? I mean, a a team that is on such an emotional high right now after beating Oregon, it's going to be hard for those guys to focus in. I would think this week with Colorado coming up. Well, um, it's an awesome opportunity for them to play down to their competition and uh, for CU to rise to the occasion. They've got CU's got nothing to lose and everything to gain. So um, that's that. And this is the time of year where the Pac-12 tends to cannibalize itself. So, um, yeah, we could see something else happen that (laughs) would be pretty interesting. All right, Ryan. Well, I appreciate you. And as always, I appreciate every CU fan for hanging in there. Yes, sir. At some point, someday, maybe we'll uh, have a winning program to talk about. Until then, I really do appreciate the support from everybody. Yes, as well do I. And everyone on the team does. And they need our support, certainly, (laughs) through these tough times. But, uh, you know, it's not the end. It's not the Uh end. Like I said, new head coach is going to be taking over soon, so we'll continue to keep you updated on everything going on in Boulder. Thanks for tuning in.